Do you need help protecting your finances as you enter retirement? David Dickens of KC Financial Advisors has got you covered. Welcome to the Cover Your Assets KC podcast. Well, hey there. Welcome to another edition of Cover Your Assets KC. Walter Storholt alongside David Dickens, President and Wealth Advisor at KC Financial Advisors. And this is the podcast for you if you're anywhere in the surrounding community of Kansas City, Overland Park, and you're interested in learning a little bit more about finances, retirement, and how to best prepare for your financial future. David, it is great to be with you once again on the show today. Hope you are well, my friend. Happy, uh, happy June to you, in fact. Well, thank you. Uh, it's a it's a beautiful start. To, actually, <laughs> frankly, May has been so rainy that I'm I'll be happy for whatever June shows up. Pretty much, you, you are happy to turn that calendar page. It sounds like I am, and <laughs> I, I want to take this opportunity to wish my lovely wife our happiest fortieth uh, wedding anniversary, which we had just earlier this week. Uh, proving that she is a very patient and wonderful woman. <laughs> Forty years, isn't that pretty amazing? I think it's pretty amazing, and she thinks it's pretty amazing. And um, all three daughters and their men and their, their our grandsons are all coming to town, and we're going to have a little celebration later this week. So it's all really going to be good at our house. It is uh, quite the milestone and one to certainly be celebrated. Uh, we recently got to celebrate uh, about a year ago or so. I think it was our, my grandparents' 60th. Wow. anniversary. And uh, it was just uh, really neat to be able to kind of see a relationship go for that long and still be that strong and certainly inspiring to a lot of people. Unfortunately, we know the stats, Brian, as you get to you know later on in life, it, those numbers start to dwindle for folks who have been able to stay together that long. So congratulations to you guys and absolutely celebrate every moment of it because it's a, a great accomplishment in uh, this day and age for sure. Thank you. We're yeah. uh, excited to look back and to look forward. Well, uh, we have a great show on the way today. Speaking of uh, looking back and forward, I think a topic that you're going to really want to listen to, because if you can understand the concepts that we're going to talk about on today's show, you're going to really put yourself in a good position to kind of just understanding how all this retirement stuff works, and really even a broader scope of just how the financial world works. And it sounds very simple, but again, if you can wrap yourself and your brain around and really boil the financial world down this simply, but have a good grasp of it, you're going to be way ahead of the competition out there. And we're talking about understanding the three worlds of money, David. And we're trying to make things simple here on the show. We're going to really do that today. We're going to take all the buzzwords, all the financial talk, all the you know 800,000 episodes that you've done between radio and podcasts <laughs> over the last couple of years. And when you really boil it down, there's about three places where you can go and invest your money. That's why we call it the three worlds of money. And we're going to talk about that on today's show. What, what are the three worlds of money before we start getting into sort of the details of each of these? Yeah, so at a high level, you've got the banking world, uh, which everybody becomes pretty familiar with as a young adult. Uh, you've got the insurance world, which frankly is a mystery to a whole lot of people that walk into my office. And then Wall Street world, and people are pretty much familiar with that because of their 401ks. Uh, but those are the basic three worlds. They serve, in a lot of cases, significantly different purposes. And it's really important to understand how each of them fits into your financial world and your financial plan. So what we're going to try and do on today's show is explain the best uses of your money in each of these worlds, uh, some of the pros and cons that you find when you invest money in these different worlds. Some of those pros and cons may seem obvious, but others maybe not so much. And also we're going to talk about how maybe sometimes money and funds in these worlds gets misused or mistakes that get made 
in each of these worlds. And then we'll talk a little bit about how David designs plans, uh, where he puts you know, most of his clients' attention into these different worlds, or do you spread it across evenly? We'll get into some of those details to sort of wrap up the episode today. But let's take them one by one, David. So let's start with the banking world and work through some of the uses of the banking world, pros and cons there, and maybe some of the mistakes that happen in the banking world. Okay, let's start there. So there's an overarching principle that we've talked about. I think, Walter, we probably talked about it in a podcast six months ago. I call it the the SLY principle, S-L-Y, safety, liquidity, and yield. And each of these worlds, and frankly, the investments that you look at as you're putting together your plan, they're going to be able to contain two of those three things, safety, liquidity, and yield. But they can't contain all three. So for instance, in the banking world, those products, they contain safety and liquidity. But these days, everybody knows they just don't have any yield because for for a variety of reasons, banks really don't want our money and they're certainly not going to pay up for it. So those are our transaction accounts. Checking account, maybe you have a money market account for excess savings. Maybe you even have some CDs, some certificates of deposit, maybe out one and two and three years. But it used to be years ago that those CDs would yield four, five, six, maybe higher percent every year. But these days, they're a lot closer to 1%. So you really couldn't call that a yield alternative. It's very much a safety and liquidity alternative. Now, I do get the question, but wait a minute, Dave, there are penalties for early withdrawal from my CDs. And I say yes, but usually that's three or six months of interest. And when interest rates are so incredibly low, the penalty is really super small. So I don't even, I almost never consider that penalty as being a real penalty. Banking world is all about safety and access to your money without really any costs or fees unless you're bouncing a lot of checks. So that's kind of the banking world uh, in a nutshell. Probably the one we're all most familiar with. Absolutely. Yeah, because you probably, well, back in my day, uh, your parents took you down to the bank and you opened up a savings account because you wanted to get used to putting money, to saving money for yourself. And then once you um, got into college, maybe, or out of college, you had a transaction account because you needed to pay bills and et cetera. But it really doesn't anymore come into much of the investment focus. So, yep, everybody, uh, there's a ton of unbanked people in the world and a significant number of unbanked people in the United States. But frankly, most of us who are accumulating any, any type of assets or have regular uh, pay, regular work, we tend to have transaction accounts uh, and our core emergency saving probably held at a bank or my favorite type of institution, a credit union. I think it's important, although I don't want to necessarily jump ahead of the gun here, uh, David, and that's to kind of keep in mind as we go through these different things, we're not necessarily talking about companies when we talk about these three worlds of money. Uh, because someone might hear, okay, well, I have all my money at, let's say, Wells Fargo, David, but really they're with Wells Fargo investments, perhaps. You know, it's they're not using it as the bank, uh, but it it is a bank, but they're providing perhaps investment instruments. So we're talking about purely the accounts um, as we go through each of these different worlds of money. Try not to get distracted by, hey, I 
Well, I bank with Wells Fargo. Okay, that's banking. But if you also have an investment account there, you're actually in two worlds, which we'll get into a little bit further when we get to the Wall Street world. But I think that's an important distinction too. Try not to get distracted by maybe the, the name of where your money is in terms of the company level, but more so at the account type level. Uh, yeah, that's that a really mind. good distinction. And frankly, I, since that's so second nature to me, I wouldn't even have thought of, of explaining that. But you're right. You could have a Bank of America or a Merrill Lynch account and a Bank of America checking account. Totally different things. So what we're really talking about here are things that are FDIC insured, if it's a bank, or NCUA insured, if it's a credit union. Are there really mistakes that get made in the banking world? I mean, if it's something that all of us are so familiar with, and we're talking about relatively easy things to maintain, like savings accounts and checking accounts, I, I guess overdrafting your checking account would be a, 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 <laughs> a, a, a risk or a, a, a problem or a mistake in the financial world, right? Or in the, uh, in the banking world. Yeah, the, uh, the two biggest mistakes that I can think of for the banking world are, one, incurring fees. And frankly, all, almost every fee that you get from a bank is an unnecessary fee. Another reason why I'm a, I'm a huge credit union fan. Uh, and then having too much of your money at these types of institutions, super low rates, very safe and very liquid. You can go get the money anytime you want, but they have super low rates. And so, in fact, most rates at a bank or a credit union right now earn you less than the rate of inflation. So, in other words, based on purchasing power, every year you end up with less uh, because of inflation. So, you want to have the right amount at a banking institution or a credit union, but any extra is actually costing you money because the yields are so low. All right, very good. So that's the banking world. Pretty good skinny on all of that. Let's get to the one that you mentioned a lot of people aren't, are much less sure of than the banking world, that insurance world. Let's uh, go over some of the details of that one. Yeah, so when we talk about insurance companies, most people think of either health, their health insurance or their life insurance. But insurance companies also offer investment-type products that are fairly murky until you start to looking into them. The things that we've talked about in these podcasts before are things like fixed annuities, fixed indexed annuities, ones that I'm not very fond of, but they're also variable annuities. There are, there are uh, life insurance products that actually can have an investment component to them, indexed universal life and variable universal life. Some of those require, you have to get them from a license, licensed insurance agent. A couple of them you actually get, have to get from a licensed broker because they're more investment products. So insurance world tends to be, back to my SLY principle, safety, liquidity, and yield. These tend to have, they tend to be very safe uh, because insurance companies, they have various safeguards with, built in within them. And they tend to have pretty decent yields. Not like you might get in the stock market when it's going up uh, double digits, but a significantly higher yield than you would get at a bank. And so here you have, instead of uh, safe and liquid at a bank, you have safe and yield in the insurance world. Um, the exceptions to safe would be things like variable annuities and variable universal life. Those are the ones that require uh, someone with a brokerage license to sell those to you. They fluctuate up and down, whereas fixed products, fixed annuities and fixed index annuities, they can move up in value, but they have a floor associated with them. So in any given year, they can't go down in value unless you take money out of them. The rub here with insurance world is that 
they have significant penalties for early withdrawal. So I mentioned that a, that a bank penalty for a CD might be three or six months but of interest. But interest is so low that the dollar amount really doesn't mean anything to, to you as an investor. However, in insurance world, if you take something out early, usually you have to sign up for five or six or seven or ten years in these products. And the penalties for early withdrawal can be really big. Like, for instance, seven or six or five or four percent of the amount you put in, depending on how many years you've left it there. Most of these products allow you to take 10% of the amount out. Let's say you, you put a ten you put a hundred thousand dollars into a fixed indexed annuity and you signed up for seven years. Well you could go and get ten percent of that hundred thousand dollars each year. But if you took out more than that you're likely to have a penalty on that excess amount of maybe 7 or 8 or 9% of the amount you're taking out. So that's where you lose the liquidity component of an insurance product. And for that giving up of the liquidity, well, you get a higher yield. There's always a trade-off between those three factors, safety, liquidity, and yield. If you want liquidity, you're going to get less yield. And that's why you're in the banking world. If you are willing to give up some liquidity risk and you want more yield, but you still want it safe, that's when you go to the insurance world. Sometimes the insurance world, it's interesting, David, because a lot of people have never heard of it, but then oftentimes it'll be like the solution for a financial advisor to propose to somebody interested in retirement or you know, interested in making sure that they have a, a good financial plan in place as they get older. And so I imagine that can cause a lot of confusion for folks when they're being heavily exposed to something that they haven't heard a whole lot about or understood very well most of their life. It is, uh, I think I started out by saying it was, it's kind of a murky world because frankly, until you get close to retirement, there's really not a great reason to think about an indexed annuity or a fixed annuity. Uh, if you're in your 40s and 50s, that's the time when you might look at some sort of insurance program, permanent insurance program, that's going to provide you tax-free income when you retire. But those are all things that, that really come to light in your late 40s, 50s, and 60s. Uh, so you can go through a whole lot of your adult life and never think about insurance world at all, other than the life insurance you have, and the health insurance you have. Yep, that's, uh, that's usually our exposure for quite some time is uh, at that level. All right, so we have the banking world, the insurance world. Hopefully you can see some of the trade-offs as you move from one world to the other. Now we get back to a little bit more well-known world, the Wall Street world once again, David. Um, let's talk about some of the nuances that shift once we get into Wall Street. Yeah, so for baby boomers and younger, uh, this is a super common topic. Uh, because that's kind of when 401ks and IRAs uh, became very widespread. These days, you know, a brokerage account like an E-Trade or, or Robinhood account. But that's where someone would go and own things from Wall Street World. Used to be mutual funds uh, back in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s. Some individual stocks, but these days there seems to be a lot more emphasis on individual stocks, maybe even uh, cryptocurrency. So the, back to this, uh, the sly principle. This is where safety leaves the room. And what you have 
almost always are liquidity and yield left over. Now, you always hope for a positive yield, an increase in value, but since safety has left the room, that also leaves room for declining values in whatever you might own, whether that is uh, a stock or a bond. Uh, somebody listening might say, well, Dave, what about, how would I lose money in a bond? And so the important thing to remember about bonds is they pay you a particular interest rate, usually quarterly or semi-annually, but their value, if you want to sell them before maturity, their value fluctuates with the level of interest rates. And when interest rates rise, bond values fall. They have an inverse relationship. And for most of the last, well, frankly, most of the last 30 years, interest rates have been falling. Most of the last year, interest rates have been rising. And interest rates are super, super low, if you hadn't, if you hadn't noticed. So there's, there's a higher probability that interest rates are going to be the same or higher a year from now, which means your bonds are likely to have gone down in value. So there's a risk there. And then, of course, you know, an S&P 500 stock fund, for instance. Let's say you don't, um, you don't get into stock picking. You just want to own the market. You're likely to pick up something that is an S&P 500 mutual fund or an S&P 500 ETF. So let's say that the market is up 20% over the next year. Well, your S&P 500 mutual fund, instead of being up 20%, is likely to be up 19.9% because there's a little bit of an expense ratio, a little bit of a fee associated with these uh, ETFs and, and index mutual funds. But it's super, super cheap, very efficient to own. But on the other hand, if the market's down 20%, well, then you're going to be down 20.5%. Uh, because, or, you know, 20.6, 20.7%, because not only are you, you follow the market down, but you still have that little bit of cost or fee involved in owning that investment. So again, Wall Street world is where safety leaves the room. You're left with liquidity and hopefully positive yield. And in order to, to um, when you're giving up safety, the hope is that you have a significant amount of yield and not a significant amount of loss. Uh, but you still can sell those securities pretty much any time uh, and have your money in three, four, five days if you needed it that fast. Walter, one, one uh, exception to that, I have, a number, I have several clients who own some REITs, some real estate investment trusts, which they thought were going to be pretty liquid when they bought them. But we have several outstanding orders from, from REITs that they owned long before they met me, REITs can be very illiquid. They promise high yields. They promise some safety. And they talk about liquidity up front. But you can tend to get surprised with the lack of liquidity in a REIT as time goes on. Always a few caveats we got to be on the lookout for, right? Exactly. And you can't cover them all <laughs> in a 15-minute <laughs> podcast. Once you get into the, into the, I mean, everybody, most people can navigate banking world all by themselves. Some people can navigate the insurance world all by themselves. But once you get into some of the more complicated strategies, it's really good to have a guide who um, helps you through those types of decisions. Uh, and then Wall Street world, there are a lot of people that do that on their own. And there are uh, lots and lots of people 
who look to someone like me to help them through that world because either they don't have the time, the expertise, or the inclination to spend time managing that part of their life. Well, let's dig into maybe that direction a little bit further before we put a bow on today's episode. That's a good walkthrough of the banking, the insurance, and the Wall Street worlds. But do you find your clients typically involved maybe when they first come to meet with you, David, too much involved with one of these worlds? Is there one where they're maybe overweighted a little bit? And and then kind of speaking of the proper, uh, I guess, mix of these different worlds, is there a proper mix that you find most of your clients strike a, a balance between these three, or how do you help them kind of figure out what's the, the correct way to be in all three of these worlds? Well, so the first thing I try to do is figure out the risk tolerance of the person sitting in front of me. And so if they are pretty risk averse, a lot of times I find them way overexposed to the banking world. In other words, they have some room to add some risk just for inflation protection, but they don't because of infamiliarity or they still have scars from the 2008 bear market or the 2001 bear market. Uh, So a lot of times people need some coaxing and some coaching to get back into a little bit more risk and a little less safety. But for new retirees or soon-to-be retirees, I see way more people that are overexposed to the Wall Street world, and in particular stocks, because... That's how they've set up their 401k at work. And they never really went back to manage that risk level down as they got closer and closer to retirement. In those people's instance, a lot of times it's introducing them to something in the insurance world that might be a fit for them. Um, Rarely do they need more help with the banking world. They typically have that just about right. So a lot of my work with people in their 50s and 60s and early 70s is getting that balance right, usually between uh, not having too much exposed to banking world, which is below the rate of inflation, understanding if there's a part of the insurance world that's a fit for their plan, and then making sure that they have the, uh, a good balance of exposure in Wall Street world. It's always a mix, always going to be a little bit customized from person to person, but I think today's episode's a good, good illustration that at least as a starting point, There's kind of a broad way that anybody who walks through the door, there are some principles that need to be implemented, followed, and some things that need to be understood about how money is organized into these different worlds and the benefits, the pros and the cons of each of these worlds. If that's understood, then we can get to the customizing from there. But David, I think it's really helpful to have a good starting point that you can kind of always have with no matter who comes through the door, have that place to begin. And the three worlds of money, I think, breaks down the entire financial landscape into that slightly easier to understand, um, you know, broad brush. And uh, sometimes that can be very helpful to have that in place. So thank you for uh, walking us through this today. And if you have any questions about the three worlds of money or want to get a complete planning review with David and the team at KC Financial Advisors, it's easy to do that. Set it up by calling 913-317-1414. That's 913-317-1414. Or go online to coveryourassetskc.com. And we'll put contact info in the show notes section of today's program. Uh, David, appreciate the help and the guidance. Uh, Congrats again on the 40th wedding anniversary this week. Enjoy it immensely. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, Walter. We will have a terrific week. And I'll look forward to talking with you next week. Sounds like a plan. New episodes every week. Come back and join us for the next one right here on Cover Your Assets KC. 
investment advisory services offered through Brookstone Capital Management, LLC, BCM, a registered investment advisor. BCM and KC Financial Advisors are independent of each other.